This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakoven. I love Billy. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. We're back on the block here on a thirsty Thursday. I'm Jake Bockel and he is Eric Strickland and we've uh, got plenty to talk about uh, throughout the day. The scouting combine is underway. Austin Allen's already ran uh, his 40-yard dashes. He's doing a, a couple other of the drills as well. Um, tight ends, wide receivers, and quarterbacks are at it today. So we'll talk a little bit about the NFL combine. Uh, of course, uh, plenty of other stuff. Like I said, thirsty Thursday. So Kevin Meyer of Meyer's Cork and Bottle will join us here in about 20 minutes. Um, the NFL suspending their COVID protocol calls so we'll dive into that also the U- old usfl is is coming to get their money uh, because the new usfl is using their likeness the likeness has been uh, obviously a big topic of conversation uh, for college athletes over the last several years um, but uh, now the the old usfl apparently still has some lawyers around so they can get it rolling there uh strict before we get to any of that how are you doing today doing wonderful another great day uh, to be on the block Great uh, things uh, in store, some great conversations to discuss and some things to debate. So we hope that you join in in the conversation. I've been doing good. I'm feeling good. I'm healthy. Blessed, blessed for that. And, and uh, you know, it's just uh, the week is coming to an end. <laughs> so <laughs> the weekend is almost near. Uh, we have another big game coming up uh, with the uh, Huskers. Um, hopefully the baseball team will get it turned around really soon. And uh, I don't know, are we going to have spring USFL football or is there going to be a new name? Those are some of the things we're going to talk about. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I did notice this, too. I got this uh, as, uh, as, as a season ticket holder for Nebraska basketball. Um, they sent down this uh, this email just to thank everybody. The home season obviously has concluded. Uh, it's, it's, and it's just kind of funny. They got a video of uh, Coach Hoiberg um, thanking everybody, um, obviously reading off a teleprompter or whatever. So, you know, some people aren't very good at faking that, and, and he's probably not one of them. It was just kind of funny because one of the lines in there said there are very few fan bases in the country that would continue to support their team like Husker fans did during a challenging year. <laughs> so at least they're aware of what's going on. They're not they're not hiding from it. So they, they send out yeah. a little uh, thank you to to this, the, the ticket uh, season ticket holders. So, uh, yeah, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. I'd still want a better product next year. Yeah, it's going to it's I, I really think if they can retain a good portion of, of what they have this year. I think there will be some great things. Obviously, there's going to be a need to replace what Verge um, does in, in his abilities to have high uh, assist numbers and somebody that's going to come in, hopefully somebody to come in and run the team really good, and uh, that's going to be something that they're going to keep an eye on, I'm sure. And uh, if they can retain Bryce, I think uh, they could have – maybe a different outcome to anything that's come forward. It's good to see guys like um, C.J. Wiltshire emerging. 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Tamanaga does and getting in the weight room and getting a little bit stronger. Maybe he can fill that role. Uh, I, I think he just has a little apprehension in the point guard position that doesn't allow him to utilize his full skill set. Um, but I, I, I've seen him play the position. And I know he's very well capable, but there's there's just some some outlying things. Hopefully, Blaze, um, Blaze, our, our center will come in and be able to provide an inside spark similar. And, and I would love to see him and Walker working together with um, uh, Eduardo coming off the bench. I mean, that that could be a nice little... And then you still got goggles uh, that's that's in the wings. So that would give them a tremendous amount of depth. Right now, they're going to an eight-man lineup. Um, I, I think if they can continue to stay in shape and put in that type of energy, they'll be all right. Do you think that it took them... I kind of asked you this the other day, but it, uh, do you think it might have taken them too long to get those into those those roles? Because, I mean, I, I guess that, you know it, it was ever-changing with guys in and out of the lineup, like you mentioned, uh, with some of the injuries going on. And it, but it, it seemed like they were still testing that really trying all they could do to kind of have four guys off the bench and then recently they've switched to that and, it, and it's worked I mean they've been winning the, the games now and I, I just think that sometimes um, it's even the difference between eight and nine guys it can be helpful just to cut it down you know sometimes you want to get those other guys the minutes certainly you want to get you know Tominaga having fun playing over here but um, especially when you have an eight-man rotation every you know it, it kind of just narrows it down to you kind of really know exactly what is expected of you that night yeah, it, it does. It, it, it definitely narrows the, the scope of the game and, and what everybody understands and what they are needed to do. And and it gives guys more opportunity so that you're not pressing. You know, yeah. you don't get in the press mode trying to figure, you know, put up numbers or do something spectacular in order to, to stay in the flow of the game. Um, it's tough to find a flow sometimes because you don't know which guy. I think there – I mean, I could say that when I was coming off the bench as a freshman, it, it was one of those things where I kind of knew. I, I knew I'm, I was going to be the first guy off. I knew I was going to come in for uh, a certain player, uh, maybe, you know, maybe not Pike, but uh, a certain player that maybe was starting, maybe Jerron. So I, I, I knew. I kind of knew at a certain time frame in the game, uh, unless there was just something crazy. And even if there wasn't something crazy going on, it, I knew exactly what my role was and when I was going to be coming in. And I knew that it was the, the, the tempo of the game was going to change. I knew that I was going to be pressing. I knew that defensively I was going to raise the temperature in the room. And uh, so those are the things that I tried to do. And I think some of those guys didn't quite get a feel of that until it was way too late. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it certainly is. It does feel like it's a little bit too late. But I mean, if they, you know, it, they almost can. It, it's hard to say this because, especially after, like I said, there are no more games at Pinnacle Bank Arena. But if they can finish off with a victory over Ohio State and Wisconsin, um, then you really feel like there's something there. Maybe it feels more like a missed opportunity than anything. And of course, they've only got half the job done. Wisconsin's going to be difficult to beat uh, on Sunday, and we'll have the post game for that. But um, I don't know. I, I just feel like that would really. Uh, I don't want to say make up for, for the lost ground and the lost season and all that because ultimately the record's not what you want it to be and you had uh, much higher goals than to get to double-digit wins, get to 10 wins this year. But, man, would it it would really do a lot toward kind of getting all that faith back in, into believing um, that, that they actually have something brewing down there. Yeah, uh, I, there's nothing I could disagree with what you're saying. I think that that would – I think even if they – they challenge them if they play well. If they go in there and they 
don't fumble the ball and drop <laughs> drop the, the the you know the whole just lay an egg out there so yeah. to speak you know if they don't do that i think you know even still if they if they challenge it's tough to win on the road i mean you can see that you can just look at some of the road records you can understand most of the time again the strategy for going into a season is going to be win the majority of your home games i.e the women's teams you know like 16 and one at home and then get the ones you can get maybe go out get the maryland maybe go out uh, still wanted Rutgers. Maybe go to go to Northwestern. We got to get it. You've got to look at those certain games and, and say these are the ones we've got to get on the road. These are the ones we're going to challenge for, and maybe we can steal a one or two. And then boom, you're putting yourself in the NCAA tournament. And that's the way we looked at it. I know when we were coming up, and I'm, I know that's how Danny Nee loved to uh, look at it: is is win your home games and get the ones you can on the road, and you put yourself in a great position. And for what it's worth, uh, the Husker women also do get the uh, tournament season started for Husker fans. Uh, they take on uh, the 14th seed, Illinois, who got the win. It's kind of a surprising win yesterday to move on to take the 6th seed on Nebraska. Um, 6.30 will be the tip-off time for that. I believe it's on BTN. Uh, and uh, for what it's worth, Nebraska did beat them 83-64 to earlier in the season. Uh, Illinois team with just seven wins this year, so certainly expected to get that win. There's quite a big divide after Nebraska at uh, the number six in the Big Ten and then certainly down as you get lower and lower into the Big Ten so, you know a few teams don't especially have, on the women's side yeah, yeah. single digit it's not win as much numbers. parity yeah. yeah it's not as much parity on the women's side so mm-hmm. uh, you expect a route but you never know it's tournament it's tournament time and yeah. uh, so hopefully Nebraska yeah. I mean that would that would be ugly I think they're firmly in the NCAA tournament um, but that might put them closer to the bubble I still think they'd be in but it, it would not be a good look heading into the tournament so hopefully Husker women can get it done tonight. Uh, like I said earlier, the NFL Combine also underway, so it kind of begs the question, which former Husker do you see having the most successful NFL career? Uh, a lot of different ways to kind of ask this question. Maybe who do you think will get drafted uh, first? So I kind of ask them in, in, in different and, and maybe try to have a different thought process through it, a thought process to, through it, but it might be the same answer. Uh, Strick, as you look at these guys, Cam Taylor-Britt, Austin Allen, Samori Toure, JoJo Doman, Cam Jurgens, Deontay Williams, Ben Stilley, throw all those guys out. Out there, um, the guys that are at the combine now, Austin Allen, Cam Taylor, Britt, JoJo Doman, and Cam Jurgens probably would be among the highest, uh, you know, the group to kind of keep in mind. Maybe Tour, if you especially uh, thought that he was, was impressive. But um, which one of those guys, if you're an NFL GM, do you feel comfortable drafting the highest? Probably. I, I personally would think Cam Taylor Brett. I think he's got tremendous ball skills and instincts. Um, he's not the fastest guy per se, but he does a, a wonderful job in in reading routes and, and understanding route combinations and things like that in order to make up for some of that difference. He's very physical as well on the outside. Um, he's played some of the best receivers and, and played them pretty well. Uh, I think if you, you figure out how to scheme with him, he definitely could probably start off in the slot. Um, you know, in the nickel and getting a great opportunity there. He can probably be anywhere from third to fifth round. And I think he has a good opportunity to have probably the longest stay. And then I would probably look at uh, Cam. Well, and it's kind of funny because I think that <laughs> I think a lot of the a majority of these guys kind of feel that way, right? Cam Taylor, Britt, Austin Allen, JoJo Doman, Cam Jurgens. I could see them all kind of third to fifth round types, uh, maybe dropping a little bit as, as things move on. But that's kind of where that, that's why it's, it's not an easy question. And, and you can see different uh, mock drafts kind of going through different things. Some have Austin Allen as high as the third round. Some don't even have him drafted. Um, 
So a lot of it's going to have to do with, with the combine, with your pro day, um, especially with the loaded yeah. tight end room that's yeah. there. Um, you know, is he going to stand out, uh, you know, amongst these guys? Um, so it, it, it's very fascinating to kind of see. I'm, I, I think the most fascinated, and Jojo Do, uh, Doman would probably the, be the guy that I'm most fascinated to see just because he played uh, somewhat a positionless <laughs> position at Nebraska, kind of just kind of created his own uh, spot out there as a hybrid safety linebacker. And, and those those guys could be specifically, um, you know, useful at the next level. I, I think at, at, at his lowest point, he'll get like an opportunity like Nate Gary did um, because I, I think that that's, um, you know, kind of his, his floor there. At his ceiling, I think, you know, it, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he, I, I, one of the um, – games he was most impressive in was his last game against Ohio State. When you're going up against those level wide receivers and guarding the slot receiver often and, and well, he did. I mean, he had a great game that game. Um, that kind of opened up some eyes to, I think, moved him probably up some boards. Um, so I, I certainly think that he's got an opportunity to, to stick around for quite some time uh, in the NFL. Yeah, I think it depends on how he runs. I think it depends on his his his, his, his 40, his, his shuttle uh, things of that nature. Just if he can, if he can put some pretty solid times up there, it'll give him a chance. Also, special teams. I mean, his versatility and his ability to play in multiple positions will give him a, a definitely a great look. No question. And for what it's worth, for Austin Allen, I just saw the uh, the forty yard times they they're done with the tight ends. He finished tenth among tight ends with a four eight three time. Um, the highest, uh, the fastest time was a four five two. Um, but you know, sometimes maybe. Yeah, not- I think I think at the tight end position, you want to be around that 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 place around. On that four, uh, depending if you're if you're a tremendous blocking tight end, which he does a, a great job in blocking. I mean, you can be in that four eight range and, yeah. and, and do that, but you're you're limited in your role. They want they want those tight ends to be able to stretch the field a little bit, and so if you can get down to that four six four seven range as a tight end and, and have physicality and be able to create se- separation, you you you'll do fine. Yeah, I'm thinking with those numbers and being tenth in the tight end group, he'll probably try to focus on on getting that better for pro day. We'll kind of see. So I, I don't know if that's the best number. It's not the worst number. Top ten among the group is solid, um, but again, it's it's a, it's a loaded tight end room so you know you kind of, kind of yep. want to make that separation it could cost you quite a bit just because you know there are only only so many tight ends are going to be drafted every round so uh, it could be a kind of a big difference there for him and like we said a lot of these guys and, and a lot of guys do uh, when you kind of get past that that first and second round um, you know the, the grading usually falls pretty pretty you know pretty well but at, at some some points you know you kind of get a lot of guys in that third through five type of group it's just kind of how they're gonna um, kind of kind of gonna figure it out um, Cam Jurgens. What do you think about his potential? Somewhat undersized as a center, but obviously has the uh, the ferocity, the tenacity, and and you know he was a polling center last year for Nebraska. Really had to do more than what was called upon him. The biggest thing is I, I think for him still is the, the snap issues, which got better throughout the year. But uh, NFL coaches aren't going to have near as much patience as Scott Frost did if those things pop back up again. Yeah, and that, and that's and that's definitely true. But as far as his abilities to read um, defenses, make the calls, he, he's got all of that. He's got he's got that down. It's just it, it's those minor things like that that could possibly cost anybody to kind of just give pause to him. But he'll get a shot. And and obviously, uh, most of the time, there's a lot of under center stuff. So as long as he can get those transitions good, uh, his footwork is good. If he has solid footwork um, there, uh, being able to pull, being able to get off, being able to you know 
take out gaps and stuff like that. He'll be fine. And continuing to, to kind of look at the, the NFL, I don't know if Kenny Pickett is, is throwing today, but I think he already had his uh, hand size uh, figured out. I think it's like eight and a half inches or something pretty small. Uh, he has smaller hands than any NFL starter. Does that, uh, one, make you uh, respect <laughs> respect Nebraska's new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, anymore, that he's doing, uh, doing so well with a small-handed quarterback? And two, does it give you any pause for moving forward? It's, it's kind of a silly thing, but sometimes when it's uh, something that stands out that no other other, you know, he'd have to be um, the only starter in the league with the, with the smallest hands. I guess that, that goes out to somebody every year. Well, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, you look at guys that have small statures, right, which would be like um, your Drew Brees. Um, it would be your um, – who else? Uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, and, and, and your Brett Favre's. Uh, they had they had big hands. I mean, they you know Drew Brees had a 10, uh, 10 inch and a ten inch point two five hand. Wilson the same. Brett Favre had ten inch point three five. So even with small statures, the big hands make a difference because you've got guys coming around that end, and and if you can't hold that ball, you got to be able to grip that thing. And <laughs> it's not just being able to grip it to to to, to toss it downfield and to throw you know for the routes and and to be able to make the throw. It's really about being able to contain and hold that ball. So you got those guys. I mean, to have nine-inch hands or 8.5-inch hands, I mean, the smallest size hands for first-round quarterback – uh, since 2003, Jared Goff was in that in that group. Ryan Tannehill and also Joe Burrow, they had nine-inch hands. So to have a, a full, um, you know, almost half an inch of, of hand size, you know, it, it, it can make a difference. Um, he didn't want it. He didn't want to have it tested. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, he didn't want to have it tested. But uh, at the same time, I mean, his numbers speak well. He's got great size at six three, uh, two twenty. So, I, it's it's just going to depend. I mean, he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. So I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to take him. He probably won't go as high as he probably wants to, um, possibly. But he's definitely one of the top guys that's going to come out of that. So we'll see. I mean, you know, if he runs well, if he does other things, he makes all the throws, he's able to do stuff like that. I mean, that's something that a a, a guy, an organization will look at. What I thought it was funny too, Joe Burrow uh, recently kind of played around with his small hand size too. It's apparently not affecting his career too much, so uh, maybe it'll be some maybe some some recent success from a guy like that certainly helps Kenny Pickett in this area. It's kind of funny too though because we've been talking about it. Uh, we talked about it uh, yesterday. Is, is Mitchell Trubisky seems to be um, circled as a starter somewhere in this league, several different places as their backup option because this quarterback there's just not a whole lot of faith that you're going to get your starter in the draft this year or maybe. For most teams, they just think after the first guy's gone, you know, the Malik Willises are, are kind of still up there, Sam Howells, uh, Kenny Pickett, but it, there's not a whole lot of faith that you, that they're, um, your, 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 your franchise quarterback's in there. So I'm interested to see how many guys go number one because it seems to – I mean, we've all seen Mitchell Trubisky, and it's nothing against him. He's, a, he's solid, I mean, but he's, he's not – he doesn't have the upside to be your franchise quarterback yet. Teams are still right. going to be looking for him uh, rather than go the rookie route or pair him with the rookie is kind of what Washington is kind of – thought if that's what ends up happening so um it's uh yeah, and there's still there's a lot of guys that that still haven't got you know your jordan loves and, and the likes of those type yeah. of guys still haven't gotten a look yet so there's there's going to be teams looking to possibly trade depending on what aaron Rodgers and those guys do and so forth and so on if you can get if you can get some pieces in this draft on guys like that that are that are kind of waiting in the wings that have learned behind guys like them uh, there's still that option out there as well but how much are you willing to give up what do you think's available out there what are you trying to do to 
meet your needs. Those are some of the things that some of the NFL teams are going to be looking at. And so, um, yeah, without having that, they're probably most of the draft picks that are going to be in the quarterback position are going to be those who are uh, probably backup guys, guys that are going to be kind of waiting around. Similar to like what uh, it's going to be a, a Tom Brady. And please don't think I'm saying that any of those guys are going to be Tom Brady. I'm saying they're going to be late. They're going to be late guys. You know, your five, yeah. six round guys that are going to probably pick up and just have as a backup role where you don't have to put whole stock and a lot of money into that specific position, especially in the backup role. So that's what I kind of envision. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that if you're, if you don't, if you're not too high on the top end guys, you know, maybe, maybe it's not worth the pick there. Get, get, grab somebody else yeah. later in the draft um, because you're not expecting them to be anything more than just a backup. So that's interesting to, to kind of see how that plays out. Uh, the other thing that was kind of surprising um, that uh, an article pointed out on ESPN that I was kind of surprised of uh, Evan Neal is looking to become the first, first overall pick for allegedly yeah for alabama i don't i don't even know if he will it's just surprising yeah. to see that the alabama is probably the best college football program of all time had the two best coaches of all time uh now with bear had bryant had and nick saban has never had a number one pick and had one it's been it's been a lot of years i mean you've got to go back to the 1940s um so 1948 where it was harry gilmer and then um the jets obviously it was it was the afl i think at that time so uh joe Namon was taken by the jets um in 65 but it, it wasn't the nfl at that time so you got to go all the way back to 1948 in order to <laughs> to track that down but they've uh, they've saturated the number one the first round they've saturated the first round you know three four five yeah. six eight guys in the first round just haven't had happened to be at that top spot yet. and i suppose part of that might be with the quarterback position through this dynasty through saban um hasn't been it hasn't been like the top quarterbacks on the board a lot i mean he may get one with bryce he might Maybe. yeah he might and Maybe Tua was close to that but, but before that they were just you know most of the guys yeah, weren't seen as high end guys yeah um yeah, so that was the guys guys that are going to do well yeah you know mac jones quarterback the know, team kind of starting to find his way i think that, that was the best thing for mac jones to be able to go there but you know i know we're talking about him i think the thing that we like about neil though is you know uh he's listed he was listed at 351 pounds he's already dropped almost 20 pounds he's down to about 336 right now and uh you know he's not he's not participating in the draft i mean in the combine but um he'll he'll wait to his pro day which is i think in in maybe in april so or actually yeah april april no march march 30th they say so um there's a lot of guys that have definitely have a need for for what he brings um you know i think jacksonville definitely is gonna try to shore up some stuff because um you know they they still haven't figured it out over there. A lot of sacks have been taken. Um, so there's a need there. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is is definitely going to be in the top three, I think. I just – I don't I don't envision anything else. But uh, NC State uh, tackle um, Ikem uh, Iwanu, Iwanu is one of the ones that they're most likely are looking at. And a lot of people think that he's going to be the first one taken. Hmm. But he's in there. Yeah. He's in there. I mean, shoot, anything can happen. Things can change. As you said, pro days can make a difference. Uh, He's not going to the I mean combine, but if he if he performs well in his pro day, then you know uh, he he puts up the, that 225 pounds. He throws a good number at you, shows he's got what he's needed to to protect. Uh, you know the quarterback, Trevor position. Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, I mean, and he's got versatility because he came into Alabama playing first the guard in two, in 2020. 
and then he moved to, 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 to tackle, and then he switched. So he's got versatility too. So those things also make a difference. I mean, sometimes people are looking for a specific guy, but he's got versatility, and that's always going to help out as well. When I, 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 I kind of thought this was funny, but I guess I, it makes more sense when you kind of think it out. But usually you do see teams, I think Cincinnati did this, is you'll draft your franchise quarterback, you don't have a very good offensive line, and then so the next year you pick up the tackle, and that's kind of what, what everybody's thinking with the Jets. Jaguars is now they have Trevor Lawrence go pick the tackle. It's rarely done in reverse, but I suppose it, it's hard to position yourself to know when you're going to get the franchise quarterback in the coming year, right? So well, 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 and then you've got to look what happens if it falls back to this type of situation where there's not really many quarterbacks out there. Yeah. So like last year was a heavy quarterback draft. So or, or the last couple of years were heavy in the in the quarterback side of the draft. So. You know, you, you go and get the quarterback, the top the top guy, or you go and get the tackle, the guy that's going to uh, cover your blind side. But at the end of the day, then there's no quarterback there. Yeah. So you end up kind of being naked. So it kind of makes sense, I, I suppose, as I thought through that. But uh, it's kind of interesting to see that strategy done so often. Franchise quarterback and then the, the, the tackle that you hope will be there for the 10 years to, to guard that quarterback. Uh, we got to take a quick break here on the block. One of our favorite segments of the week, it's Thirsty Thursday. Kevin Meyer of Meyer Corcoran bottle is ready to go. Uh, so we'll try out some new wine and uh, maybe some new beer. Uh, Strick might uh, take on a sip back uh, back at his home, and uh, we'll do that next year on the block on 93.7 The Ticket.